This is Melissa Ford-Locken. Rosalie Petrowski. Susan Seraph and Jess. Editors for the Washington Square Review. Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest edition of LCC's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves. Expect the unexpected as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor, imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our audio town square to celebrate a community of writers spanning from around the world to Lansing. Hi, this is Melissa Ford Luckin, editor for the Washington Square Review. I'm here today with C.S. Griffel, one of the authors who, who has work in the Washington Square Review. And she's come today to talk about her piece and about her writing process and other writerly things. So welcome. Hi. Tell us a little bit about your piece, how you came to write it, and what might be important for a reader to know. The story that you picked up is really based in... Um, couple of things. One is a real experience. Uh, my daughter lost her father. He died by suicide in 2014. And the other was a wriggling ethical question in my mind, and that had to do with what responsibility do we have to stay alive for the people who love us? Uh, I myself have dealt with some of the very thoughts that I dealt with in the story, sort of like writing on the edge of of a, are we in a vast and hopeless universe or is there something out there that kind of brings a bit of hope, a bit of glimmer of hope into, um, into our life. And in, in the end, um, that's what the, the story ends up being about is a woman sort of grappling with that, grappling with, with the difficulties of uh, the possibility of hopelessness and the love that she has for her daughter and grandchild. What was the writing experience like for you? That's a very intense combination of themes and ideas and experiences for you. So how did that feel to write it? The writing process for me is, it just sort of comes. I have to say, really, the emotional part of it often really shuts off for me once I get my teeth into an idea and I want to write about it. Um, I for whatever reason, that do have the ability to sort of shut off that emotional side. As I said, it was based out of real experience, both the loss of someone in this way that was important in our lives, as well as sort of grappling with, um, with that, with hopelessness. Just once I start writing, it, it just flows, and I sort of just write all the way through, especially with a short story, until it feels done. And then I can go back and read it. Now I do have the ability to sort of disconnect from the, from the emotional part of it. How did you choose the setting? Um, the setting is where I'm from. So the setting is in the Sandia Mountains, which are on the eastern side of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that's where I grew up. And so I've actually sat in those very mountains and grappled with big eternal ideas on rocks that are at the foot of that that very mountain. And then when I want to write about it, I start thinking about thinking a lot about that Sandia Mountain. So it's it formed my entire 
you know, childhood in the sense that it was always there. It was a presence that was always there uh, throughout my childhood and growing up. And then, of course, there's hiking trails because it's a mountain, so it's a place that if you grew up in Albuquerque, you probably went hiking in the foothills of the Sandias. Yeah, so I just was interested in it. And so then a lot of times then um, I'm also interested in the history of a place because we're not the only people who have ever lived there and had some kind of sacred feeling or some, you know, some feeling about that mountain. Other people have lived there in the past. And so then it comes to doing a little research about the people groups that that might have been important to in the past. And so a lot of times that'll just pop into my head. Whenever I'm writing about a place, that often is something that is very appealing to me or very interesting to me. Who were the people for whom this place was sacred in the past? I don't want to give too much away about the story, but I think I can say that the, especially the opening really does set the tone And the connection of, like you said, the past with the present really strengthens and informs the story. Is that something that you like to do with all of your fiction or some of it, your your combination of the setting and the the themes? I would say that it frequently comes into into play um, with my writing. I I have different places that I write for. I've written for... um, a publication that does stories that are based on ethical questions or um, ethical dilemmas. And so then my brain is just what is clicking through what ethical dilemmas might make a great story. And so when I think about it, I don't think I can ever escape place now that you're asking asking the question. I don't, I, I think that that's always something um, important to me. And when I, I've spent a lot of my life traveling and so I've, I've done this drive between Albuquerque and Colorado many, many times, for example. And it's all through those mountains, and I, inevitably my mind is just drawn to, to the history of a place. And so I think probably uh, now that you're asking the question and I'm really thinking about it, the answer to that question is that place and the history of a place probably does have a strong foothold in a lot of what I write. What I'm wondering now is, it sounds like maybe most of the time you write stories and set them in places where you have been. Is that correct? Yeah, most of the time I wrote, I did have a short story published uh, last year that is set in sort of a dystopian future. And so I can't speak about you haven't been there. Dystopian future, I don't know, but um, it is that's a place that I had never been. But still, <laughs> a place a place has a a strong sense in that story because what it feels like to be in the space is a huge part of what that character is experiencing. So even there, when it's a place I haven't been, place has an important place in the story, and. Um, I'm very careful about writing about places I haven't been because like any writer, I think you want an authenticity in what you're writing. And so if it's a place I haven't experienced, I do a lot of research before I try to even enter into writing about it. But I do, but you know, places that I have been do are part of my stories frequently. Yes. And I've been a lot of of places. So that's nice. Like I said, I've traveled a lot, lived a lot of places. So. Have you ever thought about going to a place just so you can experience it and then write about it? Yes, absolutely. I have 
I have a, a story that's been wriggling around in my mind and wanting to be written, and it would just so sadly take a trip to England to write about it. <laughs> see, if I could, see if I could talk my husband into a, uh, a trip to England uh, so I can do some research. Yeah, writer to writer, I think that's a totally a, a worthwhile endeavor and that you should yeah. do, totally do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And sense of place in this story that I'm thinking of, and I don't want to talk too much about it because it's got to, you know, it's got to, you know how it is. You got to live inside you and, and come to life inside you. It would be about a person who actually lived in the past, someone that I've just become absolutely intrigued with. I will say it's a mother, a mother of someone famous. And I'm super intrigued with stories about mothers. And the mother story is present in the one that, uh, in the story that you, um, you have picked up as well. So I'd love to go and be in the space she was in. Let's talk a little bit about where you get your ideas for your stories. Wow. Um, well, sometimes it's a prompt, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a, a particular publication that's looking for something in particular. So then that gets something going, running in my mind, and I write about it. Uh, one story I wrote recently was because I was having a disagreement with my mother, and a story started going on in my mind about how to prove myself right. So I created a fictional story about, about that. Um, and then sometimes it's reading um, a biography or a biographical work. They just, they just pop into my head. Something just strikes me as interesting, and I think, oh, that would make a great story. That uh, would be, you know, that would be something interesting to write about. So it comes from really all over the place, I guess. I don't have any one thing. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I know that you do some teaching about writing, and I'm yes. wondering, how does that fit in with your own writing? How do you inspire others while also still saving enough energy to inspire yourself? How do you balance that? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think, first of all, I'm a teacher first, so I'm a teacher that writes, not a writer that teaches, and that's how I would definitely classify myself. While I love writing, it's not the way I make my living. And as much as I get satisfaction out of it, I really get a lot of satisfaction out of helping students to find their voices. I really love that process. In various parts of my life and in various stages of my life, I've also been a theater director. And so this comes into play only in the sense that as a director, you're putting together this entire piece that's going to go up on stage, but you're not the one that gets to gets the shine, right? It's all the actors. And so that process of helping them pull out what's inside of them, for them to put it out, I find it immensely satisfying. I just absolutely love that. And teaching writing is a similar thing. When you see someone their voice or figure out how to get over that like from just exposition and telling and then having a really great passage where they did a great job showing and they make that leap 
from one stage of their writing to the next, and it comes out really beautiful. And you just get, I get to experience so many beautiful voices of all this wide variety of students. I find it inspiring rather than draining, I guess, is my answer. Well, it sounds to me like you're really um, honoring the creativity and the creative process and letting that be your guide, which uh, I think is really freeing. When if you um, people that do earn a living with their writing, I think sometimes pay the price of the stress and the pressure of knowing that they need to continually produce something that generates money. But when you're teaching, and as you said, being a teacher first and a writer second, that that really frees you up a lot to go your take your own creative path and to lead other people's, you know, to their creative path. Yeah, that's very true. There isn't a pressure. To write, I write out of a love for writing and a desire to write rather than the necessity to write. You hear about that with all these old Victorian writers or those early women writers that I would be, be reading about, like Bean or some of these older writers where they were writing because they just had to make money, they had to have money, and so they were just trying to produce. And I don't fall into that category, so I mean... I'd love to have a novel published. I don't as of yet. I mostly just have short story and uh, and a little poetry out in the world. But let's talk a little bit about the poetry. What kind of poems do you typically write, and what what about how is the poetry different in the creative process for you? Well, I'll say this. First of all, I've never been a big fan of poetry. I, I like novels and I like short stories. So sometimes I read poetry and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I just, uh, or I just don't like that. Um, and it's weird. But I ran into a few poets that I like. Um, I was fascinated with uh, Maya Angelou's poetry for a little bit in my younger days um, as a kind of a young single mom. I was a young single mom for a little bit. And so she had the um, oh, the poem that's about the curve of her hips. Do you know what I mean? I think and so. It, it, had to, it had to do with being true because she was a woman, is what the poem was about. And uh, and if I recall rightly, I'm definitely not Maya Angelou-like or anything like that. I believe she had time also as a single mother. She was a single mother as well so I just was resonating with her at that time when I was younger I wrote a lot more poetry when you know when I was like 19 and 20 because it was all of my 19 year old 20 year old angst and my desperate love you know for uh, for my boyfriend at the time and and all those kinds of things and I find at the stage of life I'm in now it's I'm just much slower paced person and those highs and lows, you know, they kind of level out a little bit. And so I'm like, well, I don't have any more angst to write poetry from. So uh, it often, again, I, I've said previously that I am really drawn to writing about mothers and their relationships with their children. And that's the, the poem recently that I've had picked up was, poem about my time as a single mother and I, my, the actual first version of it was written 20 years ago I pulled it back out I revamped it and I sent it in randomly 
to a art journal that was looking for artwork and poems and stories and a variety of things about Buddhist mothers that were connected with mothers who are artists. And I sent it in, and it just resonated with her, the publisher of that or the editor of that. And so poem is about that time in my life when I was uh, a single mom. So I guess I just can't get away from that theme. You know what I'm thinking about when hearing that story is something that people that are listening might consider is that even though we have work as writers that have been has been you know maybe sitting around or hiding in a corner somewhere for several years that it still has value and it's still something it's it's never you know too old it's never you know unrelevant and that it's always a good idea to hang on to stuff and then when the mood strikes or the opportunity to get it back out in the world and see what can happen with it. I think that's Yeah, really cool. you never know. It was it was tucked away for a long time in amongst my things and I I can't even tell you what made me bring it out. And I didn't have a I didn't have a laptop or a computer to save it. I had like typed it out or written it out or something like that. And um, and just save it. Yeah, you never know what what work you're gonna pull back out and it's gonna become something else. Have a new life. That's really cool. What kind of stuff are you working on now? I actually am working on a screenplay. So, and that's based out of mother. It's based on a mother as well. And uh, it's about a, a mom who's haunted by the ghost of a child she didn't have. Mm. So it's a bit of a ghost story. And I, when I studied for my MFA, I focused on screenwriting, though I haven't done a lot of it. I put a few things in for contests and things. I had one thing make like the top 10% and then it made the first cut and then it didn't go any further. It's really hard to break into screenwriting, but um, there's a lot more independent um, and small companies doing filmmaking these days, people breaking away from Hollywood, so you never know. But in my head, this story is just, it's too visual to just remain as a short story. I've written it out once as a short story, and it's just crying out to me to translate it into a screenplay. So I'm going to do it. I've got the summer off. I'm kind of in transition between jobs. So, you know, and as a, as a college professor, I... You know, we kind of have that summertime. That's great. So I'm working on that and maybe a couple of more short stories to try to submit to places. I, I haven't had a ton of stuff picked up yet. I wasn't really focused on submitting writing. I would just write a, a little bit. I, I was actually a stay-at-home mom for a long time. I homeschooled my children. They graduated. They finished their time in my home, and it was time for me to branch out and do something else. And then, in the meantime, I had worked on my my master's degree in English and in creative writing. Both I have both, and um, so now I'm branching out on this career as a college professor. And I'd love to teach creative writing more. And they often want you to be published, so. Right. That's what made me do it, to be honest with you. I just started submitting stuff. Well, it sounds to me like you're off to a great start. Yeah, I've had several things picked up. I've only been been submitting for publication for just about a year. Nice. If our listeners want to stay in tune with you and follow your future publications, where can they find you? 
I'm not very active on social media, but I do have a little Facebook page under my author name under C.S. Griffel. Okay. We'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thanks. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors. Until next time, this has been Washington Square On Air. Where we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's literary journal, The Washington Square Review, a publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about The Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu slash WSR. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing.